It's White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? <laughs> this presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome on in. Two hours of White Sox baseball talk right here on White Sox Weekly. We do it each and every Saturday before the White Sox Saturday contest last night. 34,000-plus turned out to see the White Sox and the Astros, a battle of first-place teams, and it started really well for the White Sox with a couple of hits in the bottom of the first inning, a triple on the first pitch to Tim Anderson. Then he comes home to score in a double by Yohan Moncada. Ooh. But then it got bad after that, and uh, Lance McCullers shut him down. We'll talk a lot about last night. We'll talk about tonight's game, Lucas Giolito going against Jake Odorisi. A lot to discuss. But if White Sox fans were a little bit down after the game last night, there was news this afternoon just a couple hours ago They brought you way up. A lot of people were talking about, what do you do, these pitchers? You don't know if they're going to be here next year or not. And how about Lance Lynn? And how about Carlos Rodon? What are you going to do? Are you going to be able to sign them both? Are you going to be able to sign one? Are you going to wait the whole season? Well, the White Sox did not wait the whole season. Heck, the White Sox jumped right away as the White Sox announced earlier today that they have reached a two-year contract extension, $38 million with a club option for big right-hander Lance Lynn. And we now have a chance to talk to the White Sox right-hander. First of all, how excited is this? What a week, huh? Nice way to cap the week, getting a two-year extension from the ball club. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, just to, you know, be able to be a part of, uh, you know, the next couple of years is going to be exciting. Uh, I like what the uh, the team's got going on here, and I'm looking forward to it. When you first uh, came to the White Sox in the trade back in December, um, what were you expecting? Were you expecting come here, pitch as well as I can, and let's see what happens? Yeah, I mean, what you what you do is when you go to a chance at a team to win, you just make sure you do everything you can to be there for your teammates, help them win, and do do whatever you can to you know make a playoff push, and everything kind of takes care of it, uh, itself from there. And uh, you know, it's worked out well. I like it here. Uh, they seem to like me, and that's what it's all about. When you feel comfortable where you want to be, and and you get that uh, you know that feeling, then it makes it easy to definitely stay for a while. It's been a strange couple of years, obviously, with last year and this year, and finally they're getting to be 100% last night, the biggest crowd of the season for the White Sox at home. Uh, I bet you can't wait to get on the mound on Monday. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this is a fun crowd to, to play in front of, uh, even coming here as a, as a visitor and all that. They uh, they get loud, and they enjoy enjoy baseball, and they enjoy winning baseball. So hopefully I can be a part of the team that brings them winning baseball and something to cheer for, and especially deep into October. Talking with Lance Lynn, nine and three, a one ninety nine earned run average. When you did first come here, the White Sox and Rick Hahn have kind of put this team together by signing guys to longer deals early and then being able to trade some of them in the past. Like they moved to Chris Sale and and um, you know Jose Quintana. Did you know that when you got here that Rick Hahn is a guy that likes to sign his guys earlier? Uh, yeah, you've seen some of the, the things you look at, even uh, you know uh, Tim Anderson and things like that. Uh, they make sure they know the, the guys that they want to be around, and then they make sure they lock them up early. And that's why you uh, see the talent they have on the field now. They've done a good job of 
uh, eyeballing those guys early and keeping them around, doing a great job in the international market and in the drafts to get quality players to help at the big league level. And then now you add free agents as we go here, and then uh, you look at a team that's ready to compete and ready to compete for a, for a, you know a few years to come now. So that's always the plan, and they've done a good job of making sure everybody is uh, on board and ready to roll at the same time. Is it a relief not only for you but for the whole family, knowing that uh, you're going to be here for a little while? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you uh, you know that you're wanted, and and you also know that you enjoy uh, where you're at. So when you have all those things uh, in one, it's definitely an awesome feeling for sure. It's kind of tough when the first half that you had with the nine and three record and the ERA under two. But what are you looking to improve on here in the second half? Uh, just make sure you 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 know do your job every day. Uh, you're there for your teammates, but also you're there to make sure when you're when it's your turn to take the mound you're doing everything you can to help win and then you're also keeping yourself uh where you need to be so we can make that run into october uh you know that's what this game's all about is making sure you do what you have to do during the season so you're prepared and ready to do everything you can to win whatever you whatever way is possible in october when you were a young pup in the major leagues you had tony la Russa as a manager now you have him this year um what's the difference in tony over these years Oh, nothing. I think that he actually uh, enjoys winning more than he ever has. So uh, when you look at Tony and the way I was brought up with Tony is every day you come to the ballpark, you do everything you can to help the team win and be a good teammate and and play the game as hard as you can. And nothing's changed. Um, And that's what he's always been about. And he's always let people be themselves. So it's been awesome so far. And and guys are, you know, rallying around it and enjoying it. And if we keep doing that, keep working hard and and keep pulling for each other and keep playing the game the right way, we're going to be just fine. Just two more quick questions. Tony LaRusso said that really there were only two rough series for the White Sox in the first half, Houston and New York. And then Keuchel said uh, last week, he said, listen, we got to play better against the good teams. Last night was a tough one. How important is it coming up? Because there's some tough games coming up in August and September. Yeah, I mean, like you said, with the with the team and the and the young guys that uh, we have, uh, when you look at games like this and series like this, it's just going to make them better down the line. So we got to make sure we keep pushing and keep everybody, uh, you know, in the in the right frame of mind. You're going to have games where they don't go your way and or series that don't go your way. So you just got to figure out how to write the ship and do everything you can uh, when it, you know, when you get your next opportunity. But uh, like you said, when they get uh, playoff caliber teams, we got to, you know, know that it's going to be a little different ball game. So th- these guys are learning that on the fly here, and it's going to be exciting to see what we can do uh, in October by using these games now to, uh, you know, learn things. You know, you're not always going to win, but you can learn things. So you're ready to do what you need to do when it, when it matters. So does a week get much better? I mean, you had the nine and three record. You go to the All Star game. You pitch a, a clean inning in um, you know at the All Star game, and now you get an extension. Can it get any better? Uh, no, I mean, I got my whole family with me. Everybody's uh, you know everybody's been having a blast. We've been uh, it's been kind of a hectic week, but it's also been a really exciting week. All my girls uh, are having a good time, enjoying themselves, and they're happy and healthy. So I can't uh, can't ask for much more. Lance, appreciate it. Go on out there, and get him on Monday. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. How nice is that? Lance Lynn gets a deal. He's going to stick around, gets $18.5 million each of the next two years, and then the White Sox will have a team option for $18 million the third season. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in, talk about the White Sox locking up Lance Lynn. You knew that Rick Hahn was going to be busy, but a lot of people out there and a lot of people still feel the White Sox need to make a move or two before the trade deadline coming up on July 30th. But I don't know that anybody expected Rick Hahn to work this deal, 
to get Lance Lynn for the next couple of years. Again, a couple times over the last several weeks, I have asked the question, if you can only bring one of these guys back, Lance Lynn or Carlos Rodon, who is it? And a lot of White Sox fans had a hard time answering that question. You've got a 34-year-old Lance Lynn pitching really, really well. You've got Carlos Rodon finally healthy doing what he's been doing all season long. It's difficult to pick one, but it seems like the White Sox had some priorities, or maybe they talked to Carlos Rodon and they said, listen, let's wait and see how the rest of the season goes. And then you go over to Lance Lynn's people, say, listen, we want to work a deal. We got some money. And uh, Lance Lynn now locked up for the next couple of years. Cannot wait for his next outing. The White Sox with a doubleheader against the Twins coming up on Monday at Guaranteed Rate Field. Hey, join the White Sox tonight. Do it now. As they take on the Astros, the first 15,000 fans will receive a 1960 replica of the original exploding scoreboard at Old Comiskey Park. Presented by Wintrust. Wintrust, Chicago's bank. Single game tickets on sale now. Get yours at whitesox.com slash promos. And uh, there was nothing better than that exploding scoreboard. Hopefully the White Sox can have some explosions and some fireworks later on tonight as they take on Jake Odorisi and those pesky Astros. You want to jump on in and talk more about Houston and the game last night. The numbers don't look good. So far, five games against the Houston Astros this season, four of them down in Houston in June, and now the game last night. In those five games, the Astros are 5-0. and They've outscored the White Sox 34-9. to They've outhit them. 48 to 25. Six home runs for the Astros, two for the White Sox. And runners in scoring position, 16 of 44 for the Astros, just five of 23 for the White Sox. And that was one of the problems for the White Sox last night. As I mentioned, they had a uh, first pitch to Tim Anderson. He laces it down the left field line. He gets a triple out of that as Michael Brantley had some trouble getting the ball out of the corner. And then next pitch, Yohan Moncada with a double. And the White Sox have a quick one nothing lead, bottom of the first inning. But that was it. They could not get Moncada in from second base. That would have been a key run. Um, I know final, what the final score was. But taking a 2 nothing lead right off the bat in the first inning would have been a big boost for the White Sox, at least in my opinion. So uh, they were unable to do it. It did not happen last night. As it turns out, after that, it was a uh, Jose Abreu 5-3, uh, Brian Goodwin Ooh, he had a rough night. Four strikeouts, one looking there in the first inning, and then Andrew Vaughn with a pop-up out into short right field that the first baseman for the Astros, Gurriel, went out and got in front of the right fielder and grabbed it. So the White Sox go down with a one nothing lead. It didn't last long as the Astros jumped up with a couple, a two-spot in the third inning, and uh, Houston's been pesky. They are a good team. I know there were a lot of fans booing Altuve, a lot of fans booing Correa when it came to the plate because of the trash can banging back in 2017. There's one thing you have to admit is that this Houston Astros team was a good team then and are still a very, very good baseball team. We'll talk about it. 312-332-3776. Got a lot to get to. Jesse Rogers will join us around 415 from ESPN.com. We'll talk some more baseball, see what the, uh, what the hot stove may have with the White Sox out there looking to make some deals. A lot of people will probably look, like them to make a deal for a reliever. Yesterday, um, the White Sox had announced before the game that Bummer was reinstated from the IL. Also, uh, Ronaldo Lopez was recalled from Charlotte. Matt Foster and Jace Fry getting sent down to Charlotte. Uh, yesterday, Hoyer, 
did not do the job. He comes in one-third of an inning after Dylan Cease pitched a great one. We'll talk more about Dylan Cease also and take your calls at 312-332-3776. But Aaron Bummer, uh, just back after an IL stint, and um, he was down in Charlotte. He comes in two-thirds of an inning, four runs earned, two hits, a walk. He struck one out, hit a batter, two wild pitches. It was not Aaron Bummer's game. And um, Larusa got them right back out there. He also had Ronaldo Lopez out there last night. And Lopez, two innings, just one hit, no runs. Ronaldo did the job, and he's a guy that they brought up. He had been a starter for the White Sox in the past. He's a guy you're likely going to see as a uh, middle reliever. And if he can do it, remember before the White Sox got Ronaldo Lopez, he was pitching in key situations out of the bullpen for the Washington Nationals. And then he came here. The White Sox made him a starter. He tried to work in there. He wasn't able to do as well as he had done in the past. And uh, now he's back after having some struggles in Charlotte. So 312-332-3776. We'll take your calls, talk some White Sox baseball. We do this each and every Saturday. Two hours of White Sox talk. People say, let's get some White Sox talk. We've got it. Two hours for you here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network. We'll get to your calls. Uh, Giolito and Jake Odorisi. you got Carlos Rodon coming after his uh, little trip to the All-Star game, along with the other three White Sox. Uh, he is going in a Sunday's contest. So um, beating the Astros is job one for the White Sox as they take um, the hill, take the field today in front of, I'm sure, another big crowd. It's going to be a little bit nicer tonight than it was yesterday. If you're driving around, go on out there, get on out to Guaranteed Rate Field as the White Sox and Astros, a 6-15 start, and uh, Sox looking for a victory. Giolito coming off a nice outing in Baltimore. See if they can uh, duplicate that and get a win against the Astros. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. We get right to your calls. A lot more White Sox talk. How about Rick Hahn stepping up and inking Lance Lynn to a two-year extension? We'll talk about it when we come back right here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Weekly, and the White Sox Network. So the White Sox getting ready to take on the Astros. It'd be nice if they announced it right before the um, the game. Have it up on the uh, Jumbotron and say uh, congratulations to Lance Lynn as he has uh, agreed to a two-year contract extension. Perfect way to get the, car- the crowd going tonight out of Guaranteed Rate Field as the White Sox take on the Astros. Welcome back in White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network. Um... Sox can use a win. And I know, I know, they're in first place. They got a uh, nice, comfortable lead uh, over Cleveland. But you want to beat the good teams. Uh, We just talked to Lance Lynn in our last segment. He mentioned it, too. You want to beat the good teams. Beating the good teams is is the key. Uh, You will have to do that when you get to the playoffs. And um, they've not done it so far against Houston. They're 0-5. They get the Yankees coming up in August, the game at the at Field of Dreams, and then two other games at Guaranteed Rate Field. The tough schedule coming up. We will talk about that and take a look at that in just a little bit. We'll take your calls, 312-332-3776. You want to talk about uh, Rick Hahn stepping up? There is no doubt he did that as he and uh, the White Sox ink Lance Lynn to a nice two-year extension, $18.5 million over the next two years as $38 million with an $18 million club option for the third year. 
and a one million dollar buyout if in fact at that point they don't want to continue any further um Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Wednesday, July 21st. The White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins at 7:10. The first 10,000 fans will receive a T-shirt presented by Bona Beef. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776. We'll talk more about the White Sox, talk about how they are gearing up here for the second half. A nice little run. Uh, they've got still got some games coming up that um, they should be in pretty good shape with. You've got Houston, then you've got a four-gamer with Minnesota. You travel up to Milwaukee next weekend, then you go to KC for a four-game set. Cleveland, Kansas City, the Cubs in August. Doesn't really get super difficult, you would think. And again, it's Major League Baseball, so every game can be difficult. But starting August 12th, you got the Yankees for three, then you got Oakland for four, then you go to Tampa for three, and Toronto. And you actually go to Toronto as uh, they are allowing the Blue Jays to come back up to their home stadium in Toronto. They won't have to play in Dunedin, Florida, Buffalo anymore. They'll actually go home. And we've seen what uh, Toronto has with some of those good young players, good young position players and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and um, Biggio. They got all kinds of good talent on that team. So not going to be easy. Uh, when it rolls around August. So the job for the White Sox is to get a nice, comfortable lead before they get to that point. Uh, Dylan Cease, as I mentioned, he has definitely had his stuff going last night. Cease went five and two-thirds, allowing three runs, six hits. He did walk two, and that first walk was the killer because first inning, he gets Altuve to fly out, then he strikes out Brantley and Gurriel. Second inning, he strikes out Alvarez, Correa, and Tucker. So third inning, he gets Toro on a 4-3, ground ball to second base. Miles Straw flies out to right. And then Martin Maldonado walks on four pitches. Next, an infield single, a hit batter, a double by Gurriel, and it's 2-1 to one in favor of the Astros before he strikes out Jordan Alvarez for a second time. And uh, that little walk, that little blip, it seems like he constantly has that. He talked after the game about keeping the White Sox in the game. Uh, I mean, it was solid. Uh, I kept us in it. I feel like, um, you know, I kind of feel like, I don't want to say I handed them two runs, but I feel like, I mean, I feel like I pretty much gave them the first two runs, but, um, you know, Brantley got me for that, for that home run. So that was, that was good on him. But I mean, I kept us in it, um, but, you know, didn't get the win. Yeah, he did keep a minute, but even he knew it that that second inning when, uh, Everything was going well. He had like 37 pitches after the first eight hitters. He was doing really well. Then he walks Maldonado, the number nine guy in the order. Last thing you want to do is walk someone to get to the top of the order and turn it around. And Altuve with that infield single, kind of a weird little play. It looked like um, they had an opportunity to actually get uh, Maldonado at um, second base. But Larry Garcia wasn't there in time. Anderson knew with a slow roller he wasn't going to get Altuve, but Malnado's a catcher. He's got no speed, but they couldn't get that, so he gets an infield single, and then the hit batter to uh, Brantley and the double by Gurriel, and uh, there it was, a 2-1 lead. Cease said, despite the loss, despite an 0-5 record against the Astros, Sox are very confident. We definitely need to treat these like playoff games and, and you know prepare prepare like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 behind us now. I mean, we've got a talented roster. We've got great pitching. So um, there's no reason not to lose um, 
uh, there's no reason to lose any self-belief. No, and it seems like that's the one thing. It's a, it, There's a lot of confidence on that pitching rotation in the uh, ballpark when you've got Tim Anderson out there that hit right off the bat. I, I forgot to mention, T.A., a 13-game hitting streak. He took care of that right off the bat with that leadoff triple. He got that right out of the way. And uh, it's nice to see Anderson with that 13-game hitting streak. Now, you need to get Moncada hitting the ball out of the park. You need to get Abreu hitting the ball. Right now, uh, we take a look at it. Tim Anderson hitting 311, six homers, 32 RBIs. And then you go to Moncada. Moncada not doing the job he would like to be doing. He's hitting 273, five homers, and 40 um, RBIs. He has as many home runs as Jake Lamb. And Adam Engel. Yohan Moncad is a guy that they need to hit the long ball. And Jose Abreu down to 250 now with his 15 homers and 66 runs batted in. So the White Sox need to get some um, contributions from the top of the order. They're getting it from T.A. Now they need Moncada and also uh, Abreu to step up. 312-332-3776. The White Sox, uh, let's see exactly what they can do today because Jake Odorisi is a guy they've beaten before. Okay, Odorisi comes in with a 3-4 and four mark this season, and uh, the White Sox see if they can handle uh, Jake Odorisi today. Uh, he's got a 361 earned run average, and it's nice to have Lucas Giolito back out there uh, in front of the home fans. It should be a nice crowd after the 34,000-plus last night. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in? We'll get right to the calls. We'll talk more White Sox baseball. A 615 start tonight for the White Sox. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call. Len Casper with a couple of some uh, TV responsibilities in the next couple of days. So Connor McKnight's going to be a busy, busy guy, and it's it's always fun talking White Sox baseball, when you get a nice crowd, you get good weather. There was some rain that popped up out of nowhere yesterday, which was uh, really interesting to see. First couple innings of that ball game, there was a, a mist, and then all of a sudden it got a little foggy. And uh, I know uh, DJ, they were they were comparing it to, uh, you know, look, it's like London out there. I mean, it, it misting, and um, but the White Sox played through it, um, unfortunately falling to the Astros 7-1 to the final. Um, Rick Hahn, we have talked about him, the trade deadline coming up on July 30th. What exactly are the White Sox going to need? Some people have mentioned second baseman. I, I was watching the game last night. Um, Escobar playing for a bad Arizona Diamondbacks team, but he was an all-star. And Adam Frazier, a bad Pittsburgh Pirates team, he was an all-star. Is that still a position the White Sox need? Lurie Garcia with a couple of missteps at the second base position yesterday for the White Sox. Maybe that's where they go. Or a reliever because Cody Hoyer and Aaron Bummer have not been the Hoyer and Bummer that we have seen in the past. So what are your thoughts? 312-332-3776. We'll get Jesse Rogers' thoughts in about 15 minutes. He will join us from ESPN.com as uh, the trade deadline coming up quickly, coming up on July 30th. But, uh, you know, listen, now that the White Sox have inked their pitcher, now that they have Lance Lynn for the next couple of years, they can look and see what they need for the second half of the season, what they need to propel them to what they the team they can uh, be and uh, get to the postseason and go from there. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. It is White Sox Weekly. We'll get back to your calls, talk a lot more about the Southsiders getting ready to take on the Astros. Once again, we come back after this on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Network.
Welcome back in White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Network. Big news of the day before the first pitch is that Lance Lynn will be around. And uh, the all-star Lance Lynn, who had a nice inning for the American League in Colorado, gets a two-year contract extension. Nice to see. You want to jump on in, talk about Rick Hahn stepping up, the White Sox stepping up and paying uh, a nice fee for the right-hander. Now, you look at it, and there are other pitchers out there getting $20 million, getting more than that. And when you can get a pitcher who's got an ERA of one ninety nine, lock him up for a couple of years and also have that third year, the option year, for the club option at $18 million, not a bad deal for the White Sox going forward. And a lot of people have been discussing about the White Sox and uh, some of their struggles of late. And I know I've been watching people on Twitter, and this is struggling. you got to beat the good teams and things like that. And then I've seen people point out, listen, the White Sox right now don't have their starting left fielder. And I know a lot of people would rather that Eloy doesn't play left field. They don't have their starting center fielder. They don't have their starting second baseman. They don't have their starting catcher. And they still have an eight-game lead in the division. So you have to realize that they're going to get Eloy Jimenez back. And there's also good news because... Um, from what I understand, it was Luis Robert taking some uh, fly balls, also getting some running in, and he is approaching a time to get a rehab stint in soon. We know that Aloya Menez has been moved from uh, Winston-Salem over to Charlotte, so that's nice. So you know they're going to get some guys back. Now, they're not getting their second baseman back, and that's a part that a lot of people are saying, well, the White Sox need to go on out and get someone to play that position to be honest with you, I thought before last night, Larry Garcia was going to be that guy that as long as he can get a few hits here and there, you saw he went on a little bit of a power streak there for a week or so, but as long as he can get on base and play a decent second base, everything's fine. Yesterday popped up a couple of bad plays, a couple of questionable plays. Now, he's played second base with Tim Anderson before, but there seemed like a little miscommunication. You can't have that. You can't, you got to be playing clean baseball, especially when you're playing a team like the Houston Astros. You can't have sloppy baseball. And unfortunately, the White Sox allowed that in the second or in the third inning. I wrote, I took notes here, keeping score. Again, when Len Casper mentions on the radio, for those keeping score at home, he's usually talking to me. Uh, he doesn't know that. Indirectly, he does. Um, but I wrote right here in the notes Garcia nodded second base for a fielder's choice in the third inning. When Martin Maldonado, after a walk with two outs in the third, Altuve hits a slow roller, and Tim Anderson got it. Knew Altuve had the speed. He thought he could get Maldonado at second base. Not sure if they would have had a play or not, but that's not. Lurie Garcia's got to be there, and he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, you've got two guys on. A hit batter loads the bases. Gurriel with a double, and two runs come in. So the White Sox last night fall to the Astros, a final of 7-1. to We're talking White Sox baseball. We're talking about the Lance Lynn signing. We're talking about Rick Hahn stepping up and doing the job that he needs to get done. And also, what do you think the White Sox need? Um, we've had strange, strange, bizarre things where people said, well, you can move this guy or you can move this. I've heard people say you can move Andrew Vaughn. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think the White Sox are going to move Andrew Vaughn, not a guy that they drafted in the first round. No. You want to move a um, you know a pitcher that's in their minor leagues. You want to move a guy that's maybe a couple years away. That's fine. But you're not moving one of your big keys uh, to get maybe a rental player for the second half of the season. That's not going to happen. I'm sure Rick, I would think Rick Khan's not going to do that. Again, I could be sitting here in a week or so saying, 
uh, Rick Hahn did make a move like that. But we'll have to wait and see. 312-332-3776. Family Sundays are back at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at $10, parking for only $10. Bring your family out to the park for a day full of fun and baseball. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. And if you're uh, thinking about heading out there tomorrow, weather's supposed to be nice. Also, you get a Carlos Rodon outing, and you never know. You never know. You may get another no-hitter for Carlos Rodon, as uh, Rodon has been pitching so well. I mentioned how Lance Lynn had that 199 earned run average. Well, his other pitcher that went to the All-Star game with him, along with Liam Hendricks, Carlos Rodon, 7-3 and with a 231 earned run average. He's pitched one less inning, one fewer inning than Lance Lynn. He's given up 60 hits and 89 and two-thirds, 26 walks, 130 strikeouts. So get on out to the ballpark, catch a Carlos Rodon outing tomorrow, or get on out there today. you still got time. A 6-15 start against the Astros. Lucas Giolito going for the White Sox. And uh, Giolito is a guy that uh, had a nice outing against Baltimore, got a win. Let's see if he can uh, follow that up with a nice home start. It's funny because going into the year, you thought you knew what you had in Lucas Giolito. You weren't sure about Lance Lynn. You weren't sure about Dallas Keuchel. Uh, you didn't know if it was going to be Carlos Rodon or Ronaldo Lopez as the fifth guy. And Dylan Cease was another guy you weren't 100% sure about. And in the second half or the first half of the season, the White Sox were the second-best ERA in the American League. That's what happens. Pitching and defense. And um, that's why I'm a little concerned about that second base position. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. The White Sox hoping to get a victory against those pesky, pesky Astros a little bit later on today. We're here to talk about it on ESPN One Thousand. Some other things about the game last night, and you looked at it, and there were some struggles. Some people were saying behind the plate. Now, if you want to jump on and disagree with me. I don't think it was behind the plate that were the problems. Uh, Zach Collins, a couple of uh, wild pitches from Aaron Bummer, and I don't know that any catcher. We can go back to Johnny Bench. We can go back to you name the backstop. I don't know that anybody was stopping some of those wild pitches from Aaron Bummer. Bummer has been on and off all season. Unfortunately, a little bit more off than on. The same with him and Cody Hoyer. Uh, Two-thirds of an inning from Bummer. Four runs earned, just two hits, a walk, a hit batter. He struck out one. He threw a couple of wild pitches. The White Sox are going to need some help in that bullpen, it appears. They did send Foster down. They sent Chase Fry down. Uh, Marshall has not been the guy they've expected. And a lot of people were probably saying, well, where is Michael Kopech? Why didn't Kopech come in first game? No doubt he had the rest. But the White Sox, remember, have a doubleheader scheduled for Monday. Uh, 4-15 start for the doubleheader with the Twins, the first of a four-game series. It's a really good chance that we're going to see Michael Kopech pitch in one of those games. So we'll have to wait and see exactly how that works. But, uh, yeah, Ruiz came in, gave up a hit. He went just a third of an inning, gave up a double to Miles Straw on a uh, 0-2 pitch. Straw reached out, flipped one out into the right field corner. All three runs scoring in that four-run seventh inning that blew the game open yesterday for the Astros. Uh, But then Ronaldo Lopez, if there was a bright spot in the pitching yesterday, you had your starter in C striking out 10 and 5 and 2 thirds and giving up three runs, uh, two walks, six hits. And then you had um, 
Ronaldo Lopez coming back for uh, the White Sox, getting his first opportunity. And what did he do? He goes out there and uh, pitches well. Gives up just one hit, a single by Gurriel to left, and um, in two innings, the eighth and the ninth innings. Struck out uh, Correa. It was a rough night yesterday for Jordan Alvarez. Uh, the Sox pitchers had him pretty well set. Three strikeouts of Alvarez by uh, Dylan Cease. One for um, Bummer, the only one. And then he popped up a little pop-up to um, third base to wrap that one up. So 312-332-3776. We'll get to your phone calls. We will talk a lot about... Um, the White Sox talk a lot about Rakan, talk about the signing of Lance Lynn. Let's uh, let's run out to the phones right now. We have Dave in Plainfield. Dave, what's going on? Hi, Fred. How are you, bud? Doing well. It's good. a couple of things. Number one, um, I'm thrilled about Lynn. Man, that is that's a perfect. That makes my whole day. That really is a great thing because I, you know, I was wondering how, how much they'd have to give him, and I thought, well, three years at about twenty million. Man, I'm. Right. I was right on with that. No, it's <laughs> pretty, and it's pretty nice to get him for the two at 18 yeah. and a half, and then you got a club option for that last one. So that's yeah, not bad knows, at all. Might be relief, might be relief pitcher in his yeah. later on because he's that kind of a guy. And he's a horse. He can pitch back in the 30s and the 40s. Sure. The way, he, the way he does. The other thing is, you know, everybody talks about, I don't know what Arizona's thinking, but they must have gone out. It had a little nip of the whatever because they're they're nuts what they're asking for. You want Andrew Vaughn for the uh, second baseman? Look, I like the guy, but not at price of Andrew Vaughn for a guy that's going to be around two years right. or two months. I mean, that's that's absolutely nonsensical. And I don't blame the White Sox and Rickon for doing that. I would tell I'd hang up the phone. I wouldn't even take the call. Do you think they the need, other, Do you think they need yeah. improvement there? Or you think they could go through with Lurie Garcia? No, I think they got to get a second base. I was thinking, uh, Fred, of Jonathan Shope in Detroit. I don't know what I know. You don't make too many trades with your right, you know, in the division. But to me, I don't know if you'd have to give as much up to Detroit. I know Shope's having a really good year, and I'm not. He's right-handed, which they really don't need, but they need more of a left-handed hitter. But I just think with with what they've got, maybe Detroit wouldn't want as much. You know, they don't have to give as much up. I mean, sure. with the other guy, they had probably looking at a Mike or Adolfo or somebody like that. I was reading somewhere where Arizona wanted Mike or Adolfo, and I think this kid, he's a double-A, Connor Bellington. I think okay. his name is a left-handed pitcher, and another guy. Now, if they want that, I would consider it. But for uh, the guy in Arizona, maybe the reliever that they used to have, uh, Soria, I would do that. But I'm not giving them anybody else for that. And that's, that's absolutely nonsensical. And the other thing is, real quick, the guy in Texas, I think, is the perfect fit for them, Ian Kennedy. That's the guy I think I would go after. I don't know what Texas wants for him, but they've had good trade relations with Texas. They've always been able to make up matches, and I think that would be a good match for them. Yeah, Thanks, that's, that's where we got, Have a good match. I appreciate it. That's where they got Dunning from. I mean, I mean, where Dunning went, and that's where they got Lance Lynn from, sending uh, Dane Dunning. And i got to tell you, I before when that trade was made, I was a little upset because I would have rather seen Dylan Cease go because I really like Dane Dunning. This year, Cease is pitching well. Dunning has had his struggles. I still think Dane Dunning is going to be one heck of a pitcher uh, in the major leagues. Let's grab one more call. Let's go to Dre out in Denver. Dre, what's happening today? Freddie Fred, my guy. How you doing? I'm doing uh, well. Uh, Ber- Berwin's on. Berwin's finest. <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, dude, Fred. I thought I think I think every Sox fan, and I know you're one of the biggest ones, just like me. 
I think we owe Rick Hahn some kudos right now. I think we do. Um, I called Waddle and Sylvie uh, last week. We were talking about this. I think teams are too desperate, especially right now, to start talking about trading for somebody they want too much right now, especially early on. I think if we can find something in the last days of the, before the trade deadline, before giving up too much, I think Rick Hunt has done well in our minor league. I think he's proven, proven himself with our pitching and our current roster and picking up players like a, a good one. And just, I think we got enough. I just want to, I just want to wait till Robertson and, and Lloyd gets back to see if our home run uh, picks up a signing Lance Lynn. Today was a very good day because I, I, I wanted them, and I want Will Don sign, but I know his agent is Scott Boris. So I'm kind of, because I would rather go six, because you think about it, 2020, we got people locked up until 2023. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so we can run a six man rotation with Copic. Uh, and, and I just think we got so much options. I think we shouldn't give up anything and see what we got. So I'm just not rushing to do it because teams are desperate because they want to rebuild and they're looking to get some good pieces. But, you know, if they find something before a deadline for second base, that's, that'll be the only thing. And a relief pitcher, like you said, pitching is always good. Something's wrong with Bummer. Some uh, and the bullpen is not playing like they like they should. But but I'm just happy today, Fred. I'm really am. I was really shocked to hear that and very happy. Yeah, so was I, Dre. Appreciate the call as always. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you've got to be excited when uh, Lance Lynn gets locked up for a couple of years. I was worried what was going to happen when the year ended. I know you got to worry about what's happening now, but – you wanted to make sure you were able to go forward with some of these guys. And now the White Sox are going forward with Lance Lynn. He gets a two-year contract extension. We'll talk more about it when Jesse Rogers joins us. We come back after this on White Sox Weekly, the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. It's White Sox Weekly every Saturday, two hours before the White Sox games on Saturday evening. Tonight, a 6-15 start. At Guaranteed Rate Field, it'll be Lucas Giolito going against Jake Odorisi. And apparently, Yasmani Grandal down on the field during workouts, moving around, looking good. We'll see exactly how long he will be away from uh, the team and uh, when he'll be ready maybe for a rehab start. Uh, The White Sox know they're going to get some guys back, and that's a good thing. And they also found out today they're going to have the big guy um, Lance Lynn with them for a while as he gets a two-year contract extension worth $38 million. We'll talk a little bit more about that with our guy Jesse Rogers, ESPN.com. Jess, what's going on today? Good afternoon, Fred. How you doing, pal? I'm doing well. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about Rick Hahn being busy, looking for a second baseman, looking for some bullpen to help. How surprised were you that they got this deal with Lance Lynn done today? Not very surprised. If you were to ask me a couple weeks ago, you know, a multiple choice of things that could happen mid-season, I would have put this at the top of the list. Now, I would not have said the same thing about Carlos Rodon re-signing or some big trade with the Cubs. You know, we've talked about that on the radio. Right. Uh, but this, this I would have put at the top of the list. It's such a, a good fit. I mean, Lance talked about how he's a South Sider after being here for about 15 minutes. Right? <laughs> um, he just, he just is such a good leader on that team. And uh, it'd be one thing if this was like the end of a run for the White Sox. It's the beginning of one. And so this guy is needed coming off the first half that he's had. It it, it certainly makes a lot of sense. I I think back to the Cubs run um, when they won it in 16. Uh, John Lackey signed up for two years and 32 million at sort of an older age. This fits in line with that. Obviously a little bit more money. He had an even better first half than anyone could have imagined. And it's a few years later. So, 
I think it's a good signing for both sides, and it is really not that surprising. So you mentioned Carlos Rodon, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Rodon's agent Scott Boris, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. well, so then you probably would not expect the signing during the middle of the season. No, you would not, exactly. And it's different situations. That I mean, Lance Lynn has made a lot of money in his career, and he's looking to sort of top off his career where Carlos Rodon is, is looking to hit it big for the first time. Right, This is his right. breakout kind of season, so to speak, and he's going to be a free agent again. He took a smaller deal for obvious reasons last year, but I mean, he could, he could probably sign, depending on how this second half goes, for $100 million. So I, I, I don't expect it, not just because the agent, the situation is just diff, de, uh, definitely different. Even if it was another agent, I, I would have been surprised if Rodon had signed up midseason. Um, I, the, 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 like I said, Lynn is the least surprising thing of a bunch of things that could happen mid-year here. Yeah, there's no doubt. And now, Han, obviously, with the trade deadline, uh, let's see here today, so what, 13 days away with the trade deadline on on the 30th, uh, you're still thinking bullpen or and or second base for the south side? Yeah, I, I think there isn't any doubt he's going to trade for a second baseman. I, 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 I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Um, I talked to a few of them at the All-Star game, including Eduardo Escobar and Adam Frazier, both All-Stars both in the market. Escobar is the easier deal because Frazier has another year left. And, of course, Nick Madrigal is going to return next year. So if they were to trade for Frazier, that kind of changes the dynamic more than just the final months of the season. Escobar would be a good fit for this team um, and is a perfect rental. So I think that's the leader in the clubhouse, just probably a matter of time at this point. Um, There's no doubt he's going to fortify in the bullpen as well. Every contender pretty much does. The, the White Sox probably have a couple of holes there or maybe some weaknesses that you didn't expect entering the season. We just saw, you know, guy, uh, you know, bummer, not, not you know, doing that well. Right. And just fry, like there's been some, some movement there, right? There's been some movement in that bullpen. So I think that solidify things. You'll see a righty for sure. Maybe even a lefty and that second baseman. I think those are all uh, kind of obvious needs here. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you know, I was watching the game last night because I wanted to see Escobar. And uh, I know it's White Sox Weekly, but uh, I know they're City Connect jerseys and things like that. But what was it that Arizona was wearing? So my wife asked me the same thing. Yeah. My wife asked me the exact same they thing. Were... I didn't have a good answer for it, <laughs> except for I guess it is their their City Connect or third jersey. I don't I know guess. what it was. Yeah. But, uh, Escobar's playing third base today. He's just a solid player. He's a solid citizen. Uh, Again, I mean, he'd probably fit anywhere. I feel like he'd fit particularly well with the White Sox. So I I think that deal is just a a matter of time, in my opinion, unless there's a wrench. You know, there always can be a wrench. Another team swoops in. But there aren't many contending teams that have a wide-open situation at second base like the White Sox do. One of the things, right before he came on, I mentioned how Yasmani Grandal's down on the field actually running around and things like that. The White Sox can't wait to get him back. Obviously, it's kind of strange you say you can't wait to get back a guy hitting uh, 188. But it, with an on-base of 388, he gets on base. He's the guy they signed to be their catcher. Um, you know, defensively, a rough night last night for Zach Collins, but I don't think anybody could have caught the balls that Bummer was throwing. But Jonathan Lucroy just got DFA'd. I mean, uh, he was available a while ago. He gets signed. Now he's DFA'd. Do you think he's a guy that maybe they take a look at if, if in fact, Grandall's still going to be out for a little while? Yes, absolutely. He was there in spring training. He knows how to handle a pitching staff. Uh, anybody you bring in, you're not really thinking about their bat. That's just a bonus. Right. You're not finding good hitting catchers in the middle of July. So, yes, I thought that um, before Atlanta had called him up, 
after Grandel went down, I thought that was a, an easy move, not an easy move, but a logical move necessarily, maybe an easy one too, to trade for him, and then he got called up. But now that he's been DFA'd, I think there's a chance he could certainly end up on the south side for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, the catchers, you, you don't have many good catchers in all Major League Baseball. And if you can find a guy that can actually handle your pitching staff and get on base a little bit, and to be honest with you, that's what that's what Grandal's been doing. I mean, he shows a little bit of power here and there. He's able to handle the pitching staff. But the one thing that was interesting, about a week or so ago, when uh, Sebi Zavala first came up, Tony La Russa had him catch three of the first four games he was here. So he had a chance to catch each of, you know, three of the five starters. And he's a good catcher. He actually does something I... You know, hopefully we'll go away soon. He's good at framing pitches. I was a little surprised he's not in the lineup today because even though he doesn't hit maybe as well, um, it would be nice to see him behind the plate again because, you know, that when you've got a pitching rotation like this, you just need a guy back there that can help them out. And I know Keichel and Lynn all talked about how well he was able to do behind the plate. Yeah, he did do well behind the plate with those pitchers. And and the other thing about um, Rickon going back into the market for, for a catcher or, or a relief pitcher Look, you're always thinking about the next injury, and on this team, that's been foremost on his mind. So, look, I mean, catching is thin in Major League Baseball, as you mentioned. Right. So, so what if Collins goes down now? Like, you always have to keep on thinking about the next terrible thing. It's one of the things I asked Ray Khan um, back in, in, in spring training. Uh, when, it's a saying I've heard from executives I've repeated a couple times on the air. When you are a 90-plus-win 90 win, 90 team, you're always looking for – ways that you're going to to drop down from that number you know what i mean when you're an 80 win team you're always trying to find ways to get up to 90 it's just it's just weird how your your mindset changes like if you're an 80 win team you're not thinking oh how how do we prevent from winning 70 you're always thinking ahead when you're a 90 win team you're thinking the worst you're thinking how are we going to how's this going to drop us back down into the 80s well the injuries are certainly the concern and you just have to be prepared for the next one even if you've had several at the same position I mean, the White Sox are, are, are just a great example. Now, they haven't had, you know, three in left field, three in center field, but it's been one, 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 one. Yep. And then all of a sudden, if you have another one at catcher, you're in, you're in a big spot. So this is why you give playing time to these backups. This is why you maybe go out and get another one as they did, and maybe even LaCroix give him a look again as well. And I think we've seen it, Jess, and I'll let you go after this. I think we've seen it on the north side also, but – you know, you got guys that come up and they make a they have a nice little spark. You saw Billy Hamilton; he played pretty well. You saw Jake Lamb plays pretty well. But these are guys that are not full time major leaguers for a reason. It's nice to get a little burst from them on the north side. You've had wisdom and stuff like that. But it's nice to get a little burst. But it's tough to count on those guys long term, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that saying "water finds its level" is pretty true over right. 162 games. You always get the guy that's going to pop and, and do more than you expect, longer than you expected. But you can't count on it. And no. I think you're exactly right. If he keeps on going, great. I mean, it, it, Gavin Sheets even, like, you don't know for sure he's no. going to keep on going through October. But if he does, then it's a bonus. But you sort of don't count on it necessarily. And I think it's very interesting how things go these final couple weeks just to see if maybe Rakan does get a bigger bat than any of us would think, depending on what happens. I've talked about them you know, maybe being vulnerable against great right-handed pitching. It hasn't been a huge area of concern except maybe against some of these better teams like the Astros. So I think the final couple of weeks before the deadline will tell a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if, if at 3 o'clock on July 30th, I believe that's the time, you know, if Rick Khan pulls a last-minute deal, just waiting to the last possible second, 
uh, as he assesses his team down the stretch here, down the stretch in July. I right. Say. If nothing else, I think White Sox fans are very happy with the work that their uh, general manager has done over the last 24 to 48 hours getting Lance Lynn for the next couple of years. Jess, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Fred. Take care. Jesse Rogers joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Hey, join the Sox for Elvis Night on Friday, July 30th, as the White Sox take on the Indians at 7-10. Be sure to stay for the post-game fireworks show presented by Beggar's Pizza. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. We got a lot to do. We still have Len Asks. We have a lot of other things. Tony LaRusa talked before the game about um, getting a Lance Lynn here for a couple of years and uh, hopefully Tony will be here for a couple of years and make a, a nice little run with a guy that he knew as a rookie. We'll hear from him and we'll hear from you. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you right here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network. Welcome back in. White Sox got a win before they even took the field tonight. As they ink Lance Lynn to a two-year contract extension. Lynn coming over on December 8th in the trade with uh, Dane Dunning going to Texas. And um, this was his last year. A lot of people were wondering what's going to happen when the year ends. We don't have to worry about that now. Lance Lynn in the fold for the next two years getting a two-year, $38 million deal. The White Sox with the option year, 312-332-3776. I want to talk also about Carlos Rodon. He goes tomorrow, and um, we saw Ronaldo Lopez yesterday. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Lopez, what he's going to do for the White Sox while he is here. And we'll discuss that and get your opinions, 312-332-3776. But uh, each and every week on uh, White Sox Weekly, we get a little, um, we go up to the booth, we get a little bit of a Len Asks. This is today's Len Asks. This week's Len Asks is very simple. Who is the most important player on the White Sox roster? That can be someone active or maybe somebody on the injured list. Who is the most important player for the 2021 White Sox? Let us know. Yep, you can let us know. Go to uh, Twitter, at ESPN White Sox, and uh, respond with the hashtag, Len Asks, the most important player on the White Sox roster. Uh, it's a good one. Um, Len, Len Asks, we do it all the time here on uh, White Sox Weekly. So yesterday, Ronaldo Lopez comes in. Now, Lopez, just the other day, got uh, recalled from Charlotte. I actually saw a game, the, the last game they played in Schaumburg. They played the Chicago Cubs. It was a Cubs-White Sox, kind of an exhibition. It was like a seven-inning game. You weren't sure how long the game was going to go. And um, Ronaldo Lopez pitched in that game, and he threw a no-hitter for five innings. He was looking really good. And then I was a little bit surprised when he did go to Charlotte and have his struggles. And when I say struggles, I mean it. He was starting in 10 starts, 1-6 with a 7.62 earned run average. Now, you'd be surprised that he comes up at this point. But it appears that Ronaldo Lopez is going to be a guy they're going to go to out of the bullpen. Maybe a guy that pitches late in games when they're losing, pitches, um, you know, comes in uh, sixth inning, tries to uh, slow things down a little bit if they're having a rough game, the starting pitchers are. Plus, I'm looking at this. Carlos Rodon hasn't had more than 120 pitches, I'm sorry, 120 innings pitched since 2016, and Dylan Cease's max was 141 
and that was two years ago. So you look right now, I said Rodon hasn't had more than 120 since 2016. Carlos Rodon right now has 89 innings pitched as we just start the second half. He's had 15 starts, and he goes tomorrow against the Astros. For Dylan Cease, he pitched yesterday, went to five and two-thirds. He's gone 97 and two-thirds innings. His max was 141. So you look at that, and there may be a little bit of a concern for the White Sox that Rodon and Cease may get and blow past those innings pitched uh, numbers. And are you concerned about that as a uh, White Sox fan? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That could be one of the reasons you get a guy like Ronaldo Lopez coming up here. Now you have a Michael Kopech, who can also be a guy that can come in and be a reliever. He's a guy you would have maybe liked to see yesterday. But uh, you think about it, and with a doubleheader coming up on Monday, you're going to have, likely, you're going to have Lynn and, um, you're going to have Lynn and Kopech going in that because you also have Dallas Keuchel. Uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, the uh, starting pitcher is not out for that as of yet. But uh, we'll see. But Rodon and Cease, you, they've got to look ahead. And maybe that's what they're doing by bringing a guy like Ronaldo Lopez. And for for Lopez, had to be a little bit of a confidence builder yesterday. Again, he came in in the eighth and ninth innings. The White Sox were already down by a score of seven to one, and that's the way the game ended. But Lopez um, gave up one hit, a single left by Gurriel. He had a strikeout, got a couple of balls on the ground. But uh, yeah, if that's what he can do out of the bullpen for the White Sox. It's going to be a good thing. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in, talk about the South Side, talk about how impressed you are with Rick Hahn by going out and signing Lance Lynn, um, getting that two-year uh, extension. Eric gets to me on um, my Twitter account. You can always get to me at Fred underscore Hubner. He says, 100% agree with you on Sebi Zavala. He caught the three guys. Rodon normally catches. It seems Tony went with Collins uh, versus the right-handed pitcher in those games. Maybe... Maybe we see a Sebi Zavala go against Valdez on Sunday. That's a possibility. Maybe we do see that. I really liked what I saw from him. Plus, he got a couple of hits. Um, uh, so that's that's a good thing. Uh, until Yasmani Grandal can come back, you've got Zavala here. You need a nice pitch game. Now, we got a nice pitch game yesterday for the most part, okay? Uh, you had the one bad inning for uh, Cease, when he gives up those two runs after two routes in the third, and then the home run with one out in the fifth inning to Michael Brantley. And Brantley really destroyed. It really sucks every time we see Michael Brantley playing because a lot of White Sox fans, myself included, would have liked to have seen Michael Brantley as the guy that came to the south side. And I'm sitting here and I've been praising the work that Rick Hahn has done, and it's been tremendous. But Michael Brantley would have been a guy that would have been great. Now, Brantley sticks around with the Astros, stays there, and um, he had two hits last night. He was two for four with two runs scored and his home run. Um, so it would be nice. It would be very, very nice to have a guy like Michael Brantley coming in for the White Sox and playing the outfield position. You think about it. You've got whoever you haven't left, <laughs> okay? If it's uh, Eloy, if it's um, Andrew Vaughn, you have Luis Robert out in center, and then you put a Michael Brantley in right. How nice is that? This Astros team, though, they are good up and down the order. Yesterday, Kyle Tucker in right field went three for five, three singles, including an infield single. He stole the base. Um, Miles Straw, their youngster, went one for three, but that one hit he did have was going the other way, going to right field, down the line, a uh, three-run double in that uh, four-run seventh inning. So um, 
Yeah, the Astros are a good team. We know that. And for the second time, the White Sox played the Astros four down in Houston. They got them three here, and you miss that Greinke. You don't you don't face Greinke for uh, any of those seven games. So they they've got some decent pitchers. We'll see what they can do against Odorisi later on this evening. Three one two three three two three seven seven six and. The White Sox skipper, Tony La Russa, he knew Lance Lynn when he was a rookie. He's the manager of the Cardinals, and Lance Lynn was on the team. We talked to Lynn earlier today and asked him, I asked him, what the difference was between Tony then and now, and he said probably now he's even a little bit more passionate and a little bit more into it than he was back then. But Tony La Russa earlier today talked about having Lance Lynn for a couple more years. Commitment. In other words, commitment is promise, and we ask guys to make commitment, and organizations asking players to make a commitment to do as much as we can to win. And what they're doing is they're showing they're committed to putting the best team on the field. It's all a mutual commitment, mutual promises that you share. It's very healthy, and uh, it's, it's a perfect message to send to the, the players that they recognize that we're getting closer and closer to be a in October club, and Lance will be a part of it. What kind of linchpin? Has Lance been to your pitching staff? Well, I just put the three the three veterans together. I mean, I think he and Lucas and Dallas, their experience starting in spring training with the drills and the work between throwing. Um, but Lance is, you know, he's very vocal. And then the other thing he does, uh, and they do it too, when you take them out, you can talk all you want to and look at your uh, credentials and your bubblegum card. But what counts is the year you're pitching or playing and how you compete. And it's obvious, you know, in, in Lynn's case, man, he's he's going after you from the first pitch to the last one that he makes. So leader by example and leader, vocal leader, everything. Well, when, when I mentioned uh, about the team uh, committing to Lance, how, how about the fact that Lance committed to the team? That's, that's really encouraging because he would have his choice, right? He wouldn't force take that deal in the kind of year he's having. I don't even know what the money is, but uh, he certainly would be a, a pitcher that would be Interesting, a lot of clubs. Evidently, he likes what he sees here and uh, wants to be a part of it going forward. <coughs> yeah, it's very, very nice to see him. And, and, and as Tony said, he's a guy that probably could have waited, um, you know, be a, been a free agent, waited in the scene. But he said he likes being there. He's got a little bit of a feel for the south side. He likes being here. And it's nice to see because he'll be here for the next couple of seasons for the White Sox. 312-332-3776. Want to jump on in, talk some White Sox baseball. Now, there's a bunch of different ways we can go. We can talk about Carlos Rodon. He did not pitch in the All-Star game. Also, he had his uh, teammate Tim Anderson did not get in at bat in the All-Star game. The White Sox drafted a uh, nice young player, a 19-year-old, kind of an old high schooler, but a young kid in uh, Colson Montgomery, a guy that can play shortstop. Some people say maybe he can move to third. Immediately after the draft, he goes, I'm a, I'm a shortstop. So, um, hey, Maybe he gets here in 2024. That's right about when Tim Anderson deal runs out. And uh, the White Sox very happy with what they did as they drafted 12 pitchers in the 20 selections. So we'll talk about the draft. We will also talk about, we talked about Ronaldo Lopez coming up. We'll talk about Lance Lynn and what he means to this team going forward. And um, Dallas Keuchel another guy where is he going to be here uh, next year? Carlos Rodon, is he going to be here next year? And Rodon didn't pitch in the All-Star game the other day. We'll talk a little bit more about that 
uh, 312-332-3776. That's the number here on White Sox Weekly. And start your game day with a pregame patio party. Get a patio pass and game ticket and enjoy an all-you-can-eat-and-drink buffet for as low as $63 per person. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com slash patio. We'll get to your calls. We come back 312-332-3776. Don't forget, 615 start White Sox and the Astros. We're talking White Sox right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you here on White Sox Weekly. We do it each and every Saturday, two hours before the White Sox game that day. A 6-15 start today. So we'll be here till 5-30. And uh, you get Connor McKnight along with Darren Jackson on the call today. Len Casper with some TV responsibilities the next couple of days. So uh, Connor behind the microphone and um, we've got the starting lineup for your Chicago White Sox. Uh, Sox start the game with a uh, 54-36 and 36 record, eight-game lead in the division. Tim Anderson is leading off and playing short. He has a 13-game hit streak. Yohan Moncada hitting second, playing third base. Jose Abreu's at first, hitting third. Brian Goodwin looking for better than his four strikeouts yesterday. He's in center field, hitting fourth. Larry Garcia is hitting fifth. And he is playing second base. Andrew Vaughn in left field. Gavin Sheets is playing right field. He is hitting seventh. Jake Berger, your designated hitter today. And Zach Collins is behind the plate for Lucas Giolito. Giolito comes in seven and six, a 415 earned run average. I mentioned Jake Berger, and Berger came up for the White Sox. He was on, um, on the road. So now he's getting a chance to play in front of the home crowd. He talked about actually putting on the jersey here in Chicago. Feels like my first game, you know. Uh, I'm just excited to play in front of the hometown. And, uh, you know, fans are awesome, so I'm really excited to, uh, to to get out there. Is it nerves? How do you kind of weigh that feeling of anticipation, excitement, and then the nervousness? Maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just excitement. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm nervous about it. I think I'm just really excited to, you know, show, show Chicago who I am um, and, you know, just interact with the fans. And, you know, I'm close to home, so having the family up here and stuff, it'll be, it'll be fun. It's, it's, it's funny because I've asked that question before to people, too, about nerves. It's almost like, great, I'm trying to avoid them, and now you keep bringing them up. Uh, it's, it's always tough for guys. But think about it. Think about Gavin Sheets. Don't you think he had some nerves when he was playing the Camden Yards? It sure didn't show when he hit that home run. So I can't wait to see Jake Berger get some at-bats today coming from the designated hitter position, eighth in the order as the White Sox try to, try to knock off these Darned Astros, okay? The Astros, they come in with a record of 56-36. and 36. They have a three-and-a-half game lead in the American League West. And um, they're good both at home and on the road. And that, that makes you, that's annoying. 29-19 uh, and 19 at home, 27-17 and 17 on the road. The Astros also have the best record versus teams 500 or better in Major League Baseball. The Astros are 42, actually make it 43. This was after yesterday's game. 43 and 22. That's right. 43 and 22 against good teams. Teams with 500 or better records. The Giants are second, 24 and 17. And the Tampa Bay Rays are third at 37 and 27. For the White Sox, 
They're 21 and 23 versus teams at or above 500. And teams below, they're 20 over. They're 33 and 13. Thus, their 54 and 36 record. Sox have won 30 of their 45 against the American League Central, and that's good. You're 30 and 15. They're four games over, make it three games over now after yesterday. They're three games over at 24 and 21 against all the other teams. So the White Sox need to step up their play against uh, some of the better teams, and we knew that. But then again, you are playing in a situation where you don't have your starting left fielder, center fielder, second baseman, catcher. And um, thank goodness, knock on whatever you believe in, wood, whatever, uh, that the White Sox starting rotation has been relatively healthy for the entire season. Michael Kopech has been out for a little while. Kopech likely will get a start in this four-game set with the Twins as you get a doubleheader on Monday. You still have Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn, who have not made starts. The starter, Dylan Cease, yesterday, 10 strikeouts. And when you look at pitching rotations, how amazing is it sometimes when you look at how um, the number of strikeouts this White Sox team has, okay? It's absolutely amazing how many guys they've been striking out. There are three guys. I'm sorry. I shorted somebody. There are four guys in the starting rotation that have more than 100 strikeouts as we stand right now. You have Lance Lynn with 105. You have Carlos Rodon at 130. Dylan sees at 127, and Lucas Giolito, who takes the bump today with a 7-6 and six record, he has 125 strikeouts. Now, Dallas Keuchel's not a strikeout guy. He struck out just 58 with that 7-3 and three record in 97 innings. But having four starters with 100 strikeouts at the midway point of the season, awful darn good, and that's one of the reasons the White Sox are in the situation they're in right now. Um, playing well, being on top of their division, it's always... You talk about it, you have an eight-game lead, and you can win going into the All-Star break. You win. Things are going well, but you lose one game. And as a fan of baseball, that's the one that sticks with you. That's the one that irks you. And when it's against the Astros, who've, you know, who took four straight from you down in Houston at Minute Maid or whatever it's called nowadays, um, that irks you. You want to get out there and get the best out of the Astros. Hopefully they can do it today. 6-15 start at Guaranteed Rate Field. Hey, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Saturday, July 31st. Sox take on the Indians at 6-10. The first 20,000 fans will receive a Yoan Moncada bobblehead powered by Constellation, America's energy choice. Single-game tickets now on sale. Get yours at whitesox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776. We'll be here all the way until 5.30, getting you ready for White Sox baseball as the Sox see if they can handle the Astros and Jake Odorisi. They need to get some victories. They had going into yesterday's game with Dylan Cease on the hill at Guaranteed Rate Field. The Sox had won each of Dylan Cease's last seven starts at home. And then you jump to a one nothing lead in the first inning. You're thinking, ah, this is good. Cease was 4-0 with a 180 earned run average in those games. Yesterday, five and two-thirds, three runs, six hits, two walks, and he struck out 10. We'll see what uh, Lucas Giolito can do. we got some time for your phone calls. 312-332-3776. The big news is the signing of Lance Lynn, a two-year contract extension as he sticks around. So you've got Lynn, you've got Cease, you have uh, Keuchel coming back, 
and you will also have Lucas Giolito. The question is, what about Carlos Rodon? We'll talk about that. There's some other stuff going on in Major League Baseball. I know it's White Sox Weekly. There's some interesting things happening. Um, last night in baseball, I think the final score was 24-8. to eight. Uh, The Padres get a win. Jay Cronenworth hitting for the cycle. Those Padres are an interesting team to deal with. They've got guys all over the place. You've got Myers. Uh, obviously, you have Tatis, Machado, and some of their pitching coming through. The Petco looks has been jumping, and uh, they get a nice win on the road. There's also something coming up next week, a, uh, a thing where the Orioles and Rays have a game, and it's going to have an all-female broadcasting team. Melanie Newman is going to be doing play-by-play. She does play-by-play and work for the Orioles. Alana Rizzo, who you've probably seen in the past on MLB Network. Also, she does work with the L.A. Dodgers. She's on. Uh, she's also on the Mad Dog Show in the afternoon on High Heat. Uh, she is going to be the on-field analyst. Now, Sarah Langs, and Langs is amazing. You've got to follow her on Twitter because she's got all the stats. She's going to be the booth analyst, and Heidi Watney and Lauren Gardner are going to be the anchors. That's next week, the Orioles and the Rays, an all-female broadcast team. Um, baseball advancing, as uh, Melanie Newman, I saw a feature on her about a year or so ago. Great to see her getting a chance, and uh, the entire uh, female broadcasting team for that Orioles and Rays game next week. We come back, we'll get to your calls, a lot more time to talk White Sox baseball. We'll check in with Len Asks one more time before 5.30. It's White Sox Weekly. We do it each and every Saturday right here on ESPN 1000 in the White Sox Network. So the White Sox need a win. I know it sounds weird. Welcome back in White Sox Weekly. I think they need a win. It's not just because, you know, it'd be nice to get a victory. It's because these darn Astros have beaten the Sox in all five games this year. You want to show you can beat them because there's a good chance you end up meeting these guys somewhere along the line. The White Sox um, could face them in the playoffs, and you'd like to be able to say, hey, we dropped the first five, but you know what? We took the last two from them, and tonight's the first of those games where you can actually do that as the White Sox and Lucas Giolito against Jake Odorisi and uh, the Astros. And um, we'll get to the lineups. Well, you heard the lineup. You get, we get to see. Um, I'm still waiting to see Sebi Zavala. Maybe he does catch tomorrow for the White Sox. Um, it's going to be Zach Collins behind the plate. Your uh, DH is going to be Jake Berger. Right field is going to be Gavin Sheets. Um, last night, kind of a um, rough night for Brian Goodwin, but he's in the lineup again. It was a rough night for Adam Engel, too. Uh, let me go back to my score sheet from yesterday. As um, the, All the White Sox had a hard time. When you only manage three hits as a team, everybody struggled, right? Uh, Tim Anderson was two for four. Uh, continues his hitting streak, a 13-gamer. Yohan Moncada hit the first pitch he saw of the night for a double. He went one for three with a strikeout. Jose Abreu, a 5-3 for the first out in the first. He bounced into a double play where he fell down in the box, and it was an easy 5-4-3 double play. And then he took a called third strike in the sixth and then bounced out in the ninth inning, 0 for 4. Four strikeouts, as I mentioned, for Brian Goodwin, including one looking in the first inning. Uh, Andrew Vaughn. Struck out once. He went 0 for 3. Larry Garcia struck out looking in the 7th. And McCullers struck out 10. So it's not like um, it was a, a bad thing to be striking out. But the White Sox struck out 12 times. 
Okay, you can't be striking out that much against anybody. I know in baseball nowadays they don't care. It's the three true outcomes. Okay, it's the strikeout, the home run, and the walk. But uh, you need a little bit more than that. The bats need to score more runs, need to score early. You have the one run. You need to get that other one. And um, that would have been nice last night. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I think one of the most encouraging things for the White Sox is how Tim Anderson at the top of the order has been playing and hitting. Two for four. He did not get a chance to play in the All-Star game. He said, that's okay. He goes, it won't be the last. And that's what I like to see. I like to see the confidence in uh, T.A., Tim Anderson. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in. What the Sox do need is Juan Moncada and Jose Abreu to step up. Start hitting the ball. Moncada, as I mentioned, two, uh, 273 right now, um, needs to get a little higher. Uh, 273 average is on base for the season. 402, that's great because of the number of walks he takes. And I know walks are important, but when you have a guy like Juan Moncada, he's a guy that's going to put up the long ball, lead, you know, be right there in, in uh, home runs, and he has five this year. And when you see a guy like... Larry Garcia, he's third on the team in RBIs. That's eh, not supposed to be that way. You've got to have other guys stepping up and contributing better, and they're not doing it right now. So hopefully, and I know, I know, you got injuries. Eloy, Luis Robert, Madrigal. And that the Madrigal thing, of all the things, we know that Yasmani Grandal was seen running around in the outfield today. He'll be back with the White Sox. Uh, Eloy is going to be back. Luis Roberts is going to be back. But the one situation we don't have is Nick Madrigal. Madrigal, at the time he went out hitting 305, he had two homers, 21 RBIs. He was leading the team with 61 hits at that time. He had more hits than anybody else in the team. And that's what hurts because you had a guy at the bottom of the order who could get on base, and then go to Tim Anderson and turn that thing around. That's what really hurts you as, uh, as an offense, is not being able to get the, uh, that extra guy on. And um, Madrigal was playing better defense, I know, the last couple of years, the first, his first two years in the bigs. you got to remember, the first year I think that Derek Jeter played shortstop for the Yankees, he made 50 errors, okay? It happens. There's a lot of errors. It's it's different fields, better groomed fields, and things like that. But um, Nick Madrigal is a huge loss for the White Sox uh, this season. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Carlos Rodon went to the All Star game along with Lance Lynn and along with Liam Hendricks. How nice was it to see Hendricks in the end the, and and get that save. Um, very, very cool. The, 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 one of the stats and one of the things, the talking points you were discussing afterwards was you had uh, Otani start the game. You So you had a Japanese pitcher starting the game and you had an Australian pitcher wrapping it up for the save. And it was nice seeing Liam Hendricks out there as the American League won their eighth in a row. But Carlos Rodon did not pitch. And apparently that was um, pre-planned. Rodon was not going to pitch in the All-Star game pre-planned. I'm not sure if he knew it at the point, but uh, it was pre-planned. He is going tomorrow. We get a chance to see Carlos Rodon going left-hander tomorrow against the Astros. Hopefully, it'll be a, a way to win the series after getting a victory today. 312-332-3776. The, the, the thing about the Astros is that the White Sox bats have been completely dormant. And we knew going into the game yesterday that as as much as they struggled 
on the road in Houston. You wanted to see them come out and play strong. And when the first two pitches of the game go for a triple and a double and you have a one nothing lead, two pitches in, you said this is going to be good. Things are going to work out well. They didn't. That was it. Lance McCullers' first two pitches were hit for, for a triple and a double. His next 92 pitches, he didn't give up a hit. He threw 94 pitches yesterday, went seven innings, allowing a run, two hits, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. He retired the last 13 he faced, and the White Sox, let's be honest, went down rather meekly. His last 13, double play to end the third, three up, three down with Goodwin, Vaughn, and Garcia, a strikeout, a 4-3, and a 3-1, a bouncer back to first. Um, he, he had his, he has stuff going, everything working for him. So the White Sox are going to have, and the nice part about Jake Odorisi is the Sox know Jake Odorisi. Not that they don't know Lance McCullers, but they've, they've faced a Jake Odorisi when he was with Minnesota. They've gone against him in the past. And I think they have a three and four record against him. Uh, or he has a three and four record against, I'm sorry, in uh, the uh, past. Odorisi is a guy that the White Sox know. Hopefully they can take advantage of him today as um, they're looking to get uh, a win. Just one win against the Astros. you got to open that door, open the floodgates to try to get the victory. And that would be nice to see. 312-332-3776. The biggest news of the day, though, it's funny when news hits in the middle of the afternoon. I'm getting ready to come here, take a little nap. Got like a half hour nap before I hop in the car and come on down to the uh, State Street Studios. And I look and all of a sudden I see we did it uh, from the White Sox on Twitter. And underneath it was White Sox and Lance Leonard agree to a two-year deal. Impressive. I did not expect that to be happening today. I did not expect that to be happening now. But I couldn't be happier. And I think a lot of White Sox fans should be extremely excited with what their general manager, Rick Hahn, has done. Not only has Hahn put this team together to battle, make the playoffs last year, be in first place with an eight-game lead at the All-Star break this year, but gone out and said, listen, we want to keep Lance Lynn here. He wants to stick around. Lynn said earlier today, why would I think even of going somewhere else? I found a place I like, so why would I wait for free agency? He likes it here. He likes being on the south side. And I think all White Sox fans know they love seeing what he's been able to do. And um, it's nice to be able to know that he'll be here for the next couple of years. He's a 34-year-old right-hander. He knows how to pitch. He's having a tremendous year. With a nine and three record, a one ninety nine earned run average, and ninety and two thirds, thirty one walks, and one hundred and five strikeouts. Um, nice to see, and he's given up fewer homers than. Let's see, Cease's given up twelve, Giolito's given up eighteen, Keigel's given up thirteen, uh, Rodon's only given up seven. So your two guys with the lower ERAs and their better records have given up fewer homers. Boy. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? You don't give up the long ball, and your numbers are better. The ERAs for Cease, 4.15, Giolito, 4.15, and Keuchel, 4.25. But they all have winning records, 7-5, seven 7-6. And seven and I'm sorry. they don't. Yeah, 7-5, seven 7-6, seven and six and 7-3. Seven and so not too shabby for the White Sox rotation. And that's what they've been living on because the bats have come through at times. At times, they're not hitting home runs, which is... I guess when you lose Eloy Jimenez and you lose Luis Robert and then Grandal goes out, um, yeah, you're not going to hit home runs like you have in the past. But the White Sox are not getting them from the guys that they should get them from. 
That's what's concerning. That's what makes it difficult because you're not getting the home runs from Moncada. You've got 15 already this year from Jose Abreu, but you're not getting the long ball from a lot of other guys. Tim Anderson for the season with six homers. Now, he's not one of your home run guys, but you're expecting a little bit more from that. Thank goodness for the boost earlier this season from uh, your main Mercedes. But uh, you have 14 from Grandal, and he's out now. But you think uh, encouraging news when you see a, a Yasmani Grandal running around the outfield after having uh, a surgical procedure on his leg. So that's encouraging. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in, get a final question or two in before uh, White Sox baseball. Bottom of the hour, we go to the pregame show. Hey, steal the best deal of the season. Save 50% on select upcoming games. This offer is valid for a limited time only. So take advantage before it's too late. Get your tickets today at whitesox.com slash steal. Sox with the uh, 615 start today. Tomorrow, a 105 start as they get um, Carlos Rodon going against uh, Valdez for the Astros. We'll see how the Sox go. Hopefully, it can be another night where you get the full house, you get a few home runs, uh, the, the scoreboard lighting up, the lights going on and off. I can see an Andrew Vaughn going deep. I thought it was going to be Vaughn getting uh, a couple hits yesterday and Abreu with an RBI or two. We didn't see that. We had saw three hits for the whole team, and the only RBI was in the first inning, the second pitch of the game, Yohan Moncada with the double, bringing home a Tim Anderson. But T.A. looks to extend his hitting streak to 14. So we'll talk about all that. We'll get to a call or two here before we're done at 530. It's uh, White Sox Weekly. Fred Huebner with you on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network. Welcome back in White Sox Weekly each and every Saturday right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network as you get you ready for White Sox baseball. And uh, the White Sox game two of their three games set with the Houston Astros. It would be nice. I know I've said it a couple times, but it would be nice to get this one tonight. It's always nice to get a victory. That's what we like to do. But I'm looking here at uh, the second half. And when you get the Astros for three, then you get Minnesota. You go up to Milwaukee for a three-game series next weekend. Not going to be easy. Brewers on top of the Central. They had a nice come-from-behind victory against the Reds yesterday. And um, the Reds are struggling a little bit because Nicholas Castellano got hit in the wrist yesterday. He is not was not in the lineup today. Um, but So you got four against Minnesota. You go to Milwaukee for three, then Kansas City. Then you come back home for Cleveland and Kansas City. And then the, the north side, south side battle. Uh, wherever the Cubs are at that point, uh, it's a weekend series, August 6th, 7th, and 8th against the Cubs. But the toughest stretch for the upcoming for the White Sox will be the Field of Dreams game uh, in Iowa. That's uh, August 12th. That starts it. Then you got Yankees, A's, Tampa, and Toronto. Not going to be easy. Let's get to the phones real quickly. Head out to Munster, Indiana, and Kevin. Kevin, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Fred? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I looked at the uh, All-Star Game ratings, and I think they were the second worst ever just behind 2019 All-Star Game. So I was wondering uh, if you have any thoughts on, you know, what's... Did, did you watch it? What's up with the ratings? Did no, you... I boycotted because they moved it, but... Oh, I'm okay. okay. sure if that's, that had a lot to do with it or if there's just, you know, not a lot of... 
real stars in the game anymore? Well, so I just want to get your thoughts on it. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Kevin. I think a lot of people with the All-Star game, I love it. It's it's the one game I don't miss. Um, I, I had other plans, and I, I canceled the plan so I can make sure I watch the All-Star game. Uh, it's the one game that I like to watch each and every year. The one is the only All-Star game. Uh, that I watch. I don't watch the NFL Pro Bowl. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch the NHL. I only watch the baseball all-star game. And yeah, I'm an older guy. There's a lot of history to that. Uh, I liked it because when I first started watching it, that was when the American League and National League didn't play each other. They actually played for bragging rights. They played to say, hey, we knocked you guys off. And now the American League has those bragging rights. They've won eight in a row and I thought the uh, draw of Shohei Otani was going to bring some numbers in there. I thought that was good. I also thought, you know, seeing some of the young players, seeing a, a Tatis and seeing um, uh, Guerrero, who ends up winning the MVP, I thought the game was okay. Something I brought up during the day of the All-Star game on Tuesday, because I was actually here in the studio working on ESPN 1000 with uh, Yurko. But um, I kind of felt that, if you look at the numbers, the All-Star game, even though you have a lot of home run hitters, you got great pitching. And the All-Star game scores are pretty low. They're really not what you would expect them to be. Before the game, Frank Thomas thought there would be eight home runs in the game. Now, maybe he was going off the Futures game or the home run derby, okay? But, yeah, there were not eight homers. There were a few, two or three homers in the game, but not nearly what they thought. And... um I think that's a little bit what the younger people want to see. The younger generation wants to see the long ball. So maybe they watch the home run derby and don't watch the game the next day. The game is, they've tried to do whatever they can do to make the game interesting. They had the players mic'd up. I thought having Freddie Freeman and uh, at the end of the game, I thought having Liam Hendricks mic'd up was fun. Um, Maybe the network didn't like it so much. But um, yeah, I, I... I liked it. You never know when it comes to ratings. I'm glad I don't have to worry about those kind of things when it comes to ratings for TV games and trying to improve the ratings for baseball. A lot of people, and I'm one of them, I think that all the things they're trying to do to bring in the younger generation sometimes turns off their older, consistent fans, the fans that are there all the time. And I like the whole Shohei Otani thing, but if you're watching the All-Star game, it got to be a little bit of overload. There was a little bit too much of um, of the Otani love. It was like, okay, the game's going on. We talked about Otani. And now, oh, let's run this whole package of Shohei Otani. It was great. What he did was wonderful. And then, I don't know if you heard what he did. He had $150,000 that he made, I guess, from the Home Run Derby. He gave that money to the office people with the, El- the Los Angeles Angels. He gave that money to, like, the media the media representatives that work for the team. Uh, he gave that money to some of the ticket guys. He gave that to the people and the secretaries and the, the people that work in the front offices. They That's just a job for them, okay? And he took that 150000 and spread it out amongst all of the people that work there. And I thought that was an awesome thing. You also saw from the All-Star game uh, and the Home Run Derby, actually, Pete Alonso, uh, he, he gave a lot of money to two charities, and Alonzo's made, he made more money in two years in the home run derby than he's made in his career because he's a first-year guy, a, a, you know, young rookie players not making the kind of money that um, he'll be making in the long run. But if he keeps going to, I don't know how, who, how anybody is going to beat him 
in the Home Run Derby. He just looked like he could have hit him all night long. He was bopping the music in his head uh, or whatever. And, um, yeah, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed the All-Star game. I don't get too worked up about what the ratings look like and how, how good or bad they actually are. Um, I think a long time ago people told me, they go, who cares what the ratings are? If you enjoyed it, then enjoy it and watch it. And I know we talk about it a lot. Sports radio, we end up doing that quite a bit. But, um, yeah, no big deal to me, whatever the ratings are. Um, I know that the NBA ratings have been down for during the season. I'm not sure what they are for the finals, but I'm sure they're probably not that high um, with two teams like Milwaukee and, you know, with Milwaukee and Phoenix being in it. So I have to make, I make sure I get the teams right. Uh, I even had them wrong the other day when I was doing a poll. Uh, 312-332-3776, that's the number. Don't forget, as soon as the game is over, you've got White Sox postgame here. You can react to what the White Sox did and how it all turned out as uh, hopefully Lucas Giolito can shut down this uh, Houston Astros team. Astros come in, uh, top team in the American League West, the White Sox top team in the Central, and, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been tough seeing the Astros. It's tough watching Michael Brantley play. It's tough watching Correa and Altuve. I am not one of those guys who would have booed those two because everybody in baseball cheats. I hate to say it, but so many people are cheating with the, the sticky stuff on baseballs. Oh, I need to get the grip uh, with banging in the trash cans, all those things. You know what? The Astros got caught. They got caught in a World Series. They won the World Series in 2017. And, um, yeah, they're, I'm sure there are teams around baseball who are just saying, thank goodness it was them that got caught, not us. Because we know that it happens to everybody. And uh, the Astros are showing, I think, that they are a team that doesn't need to cheat to win. And they're doing that right now having an awesome record, having a very good season uh, this year, and we'll see how things play out today. But Lucas Giolito going, it'd be nice to see him uh, with a eh, a nice outing, a nice home outing after getting a road victory against Baltimore in his last outing. And then Carlos Rodon tomorrow. Uh, that White Sox starting staff, you can't be beat with the top five. There's only one better in baseball, or at least in the American League, with a better ERA going in. So uh, let's see if the Sox can improve uh, get a couple more long balls. Just two homers in five games against the Astros. Not nearly enough. See if they can get on base. Quickly, we'll run down the um, the lineup for the Southsiders. As uh, Tim Anderson looks to extend his hitting streak to 14, leading off. Then Moncada at third. Abreu at first base. Brian Goodwin is uh, in center field. He needs a better outing after those strikeouts. But you never know. Hey, these guys step up. Lurie Garcia hitting fifth. If I was making a lineup, I would probably not have him hitting fifth. I would probably have Vaughn and then Sheets and then maybe Garcia and then Berger and Collins or maybe move a Garcia further down. But I know a lot of times they like to go righty-lefty. Um, so you've got a left-handed hitting Goodwin. You've got Lurie Garcia, righty-righty, then Sheets a lefty, Collins a lefty. So we'll see how it all pans out today for the White Sox. Jake Berger getting his first start in front of uh, the home crowd for the White Sox as uh, he is hitting eighth and your designated hitter. But uh, Jake Odorizzi, a guy the White Sox can handle. They've done it in the past. It'd be nice to see them jump on it. Let's hopefully T.A., Tim Anderson, can get one right off the bat. Get that, extend that hitting streak to 14 right off the bat. But um, I would love to see a nice little applause, a nice little standing O for not only Lance Lynn 
uh, getting a two-year contract extension. But for the White Sox GM, we know that Rick Hahn's going to be busy. Something's going to happen. He's probably going to get, or maybe going to get. I don't want to say. I don't want to put words into what he may or may not do. But a second baseman, maybe um, get a um, reliever as we go down the stretch. Just thirteen days till the trade deadline. It is Friday, July thirtieth. We'll see what the White Sox do. Is they uh, they're pretty pretty good. S- safe place in first place with an eight-game lead uh, in the division. But uh, it's not the division they're looking for. It's the World Series. And that's what all teams are looking for. And hopefully the White Sox can make a couple moves and get there. Uh, Thanks a lot for jumping on in. Thanks to Jesse Rogers for jumping in as he did. And also Lance Lynn, the guy that's going to stick around for the Chicago White Sox. Don't go anywhere. White Sox pregame show coming up in a matter of moments right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Network.